0: Welcome to the Valley Avon Podcast, a weekly podcast provided by Valley Community Baptist Church, located in Avon, Connecticut. Pastor Rob's Easter message focuses on God's work in the resurrection. What did it really accomplish? Let's listen now. Gracious God, we thank you for Jesus being risen from the dead. We praise you because our Lord is alive. Lord God, we pause now seeking to understand the resurrection. What does it mean to us? So, God, we pray asking that you would speak, that you would show us what you want for us, what you want from us. In Jesus' name, amen. Do we sometimes treat the resurrection of Jesus kind of like a superhero movie? We love our superhero movies. In 2018, Marvel Studios brought a bunch of their films to kind of a conclusion of sorts in the Infinity Wars movie. Infinity Wars, if you don't know, was about a supervillain that was looking for a bunch of powerful stones that would fit into a gauntlet that he could use to wipe out half of the universe. And then at the end of the movie, he snapped his fingers and poof, half of the universe disappeared. And we paid over $2 billion to see that movie. And so a year later, Marvel followed it up with part two of the movie, Endgame, in which the superheroes went, and they found a way to bring everyone back who had poofed out in movie two, everyone almost, which was the sad part of movie two. We love superhero movies. Then at the end, we all go home. And so, raises the question, do we at times treat the resurrection of Jesus almost like one of those superhero movies? I mean, we come because we love the story, the story is great, and in a sense, we usually know a little bit about how the story is going to end. We know a lot about how the resurrection turns out. We know when we come that women went to the tomb. We know that there was an angel who appeared and a stone that was rolled away. We know that the angel announces to the women that the tomb is empty. We know that they go in and they find it empty. And we know that Jesus is risen and appears to them alive. And and we know the ending before we get here. But we love the story. So we love to hear it year after year then when the end credits roll, do we go home and nothing has changed? We want to look more deeply this year at the resurrection because the power of God is at work in the resurrection. The power of God is everywhere in the resurrection of Jesus. We see the power of God at work at the beginning is there? there's an earthquake. Something big is happening. We see the power of God at work as an angel descends, comes straight out of heaven, and Matthew does not have the words to describe what he sees because he says that this angel, it's like the angel is surrounded by lightning and clothed with clothes that that absolutely radiate light. Light. Yes, the angel rolled the stone away from the front of the tomb, and yes, the angel invites the women to go in and to see, and Jesus is not there because the power of God has raised him from the dead. He is alive, and the women see him alive. The power of God is at work in the resurrection of Jesus. And so we ask the question, really, what is the power of God doing in the resurrection of Jesus? I mean, that's the question that we need to be dealing with today. What is the power of God doing in the resurrection of Jesus? Because the power of God in the resurrection of Jesus changes everything. What is the power of God doing in the resurrection of Jesus? that's what we want to know. That's what we need to know. As we look at the resurrection of Jesus, we realize that in the resurrection, the power of God broke the hold of sin. The power of God broke the hold of sin. It's hard to recognize, but the fall left us in the hold of sin. You see, sin is simply anything that we do or say or think to disobey God. And as we think about sin, we think, well, we choose. No one forces us to sin, which is true. But we also recognize about sin that it exerts a hold over us. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament describes that hold as being like a kind of slavery. Paul talks about the fact that the hold of sin is a kind of slavery to sin. Paul himself says, I am enslaved to sin in a sense. I would do one thing, but instead I do another. In a very transparent statement in Romans chapter 7, verse 15, Paul writes, "'For I do not understand my own actions.'" For I not, do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Paul's saying sin feels like a slavery at times. And if you've ever wrestled with trying to break free from an addiction, you know what kind of slavery sin can feel like in life. If you've ever been around a person who has been part of the human trafficking industry, you know that sin can feel like a slavery that you can't break out of, but you don't have to have battled an addiction or been in terrible circumstances in life to recognize that sin is like a slavery. Because if you've ever wrestled with bad language or or materialism, if you've ever wrestled with envy or jealousy, if you've ever wrestled with bitterness or anger or sexual temptation, you recognize that sin exerts a tremendous hold and does not want to let go. We find that in Jesus, the debt for our sin has been paid. You see, sin comes with a price, a cost. And the cost of sin is death. And the Bible tells us that the death penalty for our sin was placed on Jesus. Our sin was put on Jesus. And God the Father poured out the full weight of divine wrath on Jesus and judged that sin. Jesus died in our place to pay the price for our sin. But then the question remains as Jesus is in the ground, did it work? did it work? Did it work, or was Jesus just another death for sin, just another sacrifice on the way to another and another and another like it had always been? That's the question that we ask as Jesus is in the ground. But the resurrection of Jesus proves that something different has happened In the resurrection of Jesus, we discover that the price paid for our sin was enough. We have been forgiven, and something new can happen in our lives now. Because of Jesus Christ, we can be not only forgiven of our sin, but have a freedom from the slavery and the hold that sin has on us otherwise. In the resurrection of Jesus, the power of God broke the hold of sin, which means that if we want to break free from the cycle of sin and guilt and shame and trying hard and failing again, then what we need is faith in Jesus Christ, because in the resurrection, the power of God broke the hold of sin. As we continue to think about it, in the resurrection, the power of God overturned evil as well. You see, the crucifixion of Jesus was a great evil in history. It was evil that led one person to betray Jesus. And it was evil when the religious leaders took Jesus, one of their own, and handed him over to the occupiers, the Romans, out of jealousy. Jealousy. It was evil when the Roman occupiers, the empire, killed Jesus to keep an occupied people down. And behind it all was the personalized evil of Satan himself. The death of Jesus was evil at work in the world. But the resurrection of Jesus is God's definitive no to all of that evil, his overturning of that evil. The resurrection of Jesus is God's definitive no to Satan. It's God's definitive no to us as creatures who committed the unpardonable act of executing the creator himself. God said no, no to our rebellion. God said no and overturned empire and jealousy and betrayal, and God overturned every other form of evil as well. And in the resurrection of Jesus, we find that the sting of evil itself is being removed. You see, for evil to work, it relies on fear. And our ultimate fear is the fear of death. Yes, the fear of the death of our reputations, the fear of the death of our careers, the fear of the death of our happiness and of our possibilities, but the fear of our own physical death. Evil relies on the fear of death to maintain control. And in the resurrection, we discover that death is not the end. The sting has been taken out of fear, and the power of evil has been overturned. Which means that we can now resist evil, with everything we have right up until our last breath. And that is what Jesus expects of us, his disciples, which is why as Jesus rose from the dead, his angel, his messenger, told the women to find his disciples, tell them to go to Galilee, where everything began. Jesus would meet them there. Why? Because there was work to do. There was a kingdom to build, and there was evil to be resisted, and the resurrection means the disciples of Jesus Christ, Christians, are a force to be reckoned with in the battle against evil, because in the resurrection, the power of God overturned evil. So God has broken the hold of sin and overturned evil. And in the resurrection, we discover as well that the power of God has defeated death. In the resurrection, the power of God has defeated death. Make no mistake, death is an enemy. I will never forget the first time I was present when someone actually died. He was a friend, and I remember when he was diagnosed with late-stage terminal cancer, and and they fought it with everything they had. He fought with everything he had. For a brief time, he had a, a remission, and we thought there was hope. But then the cancer came back, and it was worse than ever when it did. And he declined quickly when the cancer came back. He ended up in the hospital, and laying in the bed, you could just see his skin was so thin. There were sores all over his body. His blood oxygen level was continuing to fall, and so he was struggling to breathe. And as he was struggling to breathe, his heart was beating faster and faster, trying to pump blood to his body. And then his organs began to fail and eventually his lungs stopped, and his heart stopped, and he died. And it was a holy moment. We prayed and we thanked God for my friend. It was a holy moment because we knew his spirit had gone to be with God, and his body was now waiting for his own resurrection. It was a holy moment. But never let that cause us to think that death had come as a friend in the end because death was an enemy who was never welcome in his life in the first place. Death is an enemy we must reckon with and decide how we are going to deal with in our own lives, wrap our heads around. Materialism is not the answer. Philosophical materialism teaches that that we are nothing more than flesh and blood, we are nothing more than the sum total of our atoms and our organs and our biological processes. But we know that we are something more than flesh and blood. We know that we are spiritual beings and that death is not the end, and so philosophical materialism leaves us naively unprepared for whatever it is that comes next. Soul migration isn't the answer either. Soul migration is the teaching that that we are eternal souls, we existed before our lives and our souls are released at the end of our lives to go on to another incarnation, to another existence. But we know that our souls are not eternal. We are not gods, nor are we going through multiple incarnations to become gods ourselves. Philosophical materialism doesn't give us the answers that we're looking for. Resurrection is what gives us the answers that we are looking for. Resurrection reminds us that we are more than just flesh and bone. We are spiritual beings with a future. Resurrection reminds us that we're not gods ourselves, nor are we becoming gods. God alone is the one who gives us life and gives us eternal life. God is in charge. Resurrection is the only thing that makes sense out of death itself. And resurrection has the benefit of being the thing that we have seen. We have seen the resurrection of Jesus. And we know now that in resurrection, we have the possibility before us, if we will accept it, of eternal life. Look at what the power of God is doing. In the resurrection of Jesus, the power of God is defeating death. In the resurrection, the power of God reopened the door to God himself. You see, the door to God had been closed. When we were created, we were created for a personal relationship with God. But when we sinned and disobeyed Him, we rebelled against Him, and we were literally cast from God's presence. We were figuratively separated from Him, and when we were cast from God's presence, literally and figuratively, a door closed between us and God, and we cannot open that door on our own. Jesus has opened that door. Jesus died to pay the price for our sins so that we could be forgiven. And Jesus is resurrected, proving that God has opened the door to us But what Jesus shows us is that God hasn't just cracked the door open for us. God has flung open the door wide and rolled out a red carpet, and a band is playing for us. God is inviting us into a relationship with him. God is excited to be in relationship with us. The resurrection has changed everything. Do you see it? The resurrection has broken the hold of sin, overturned evil, defeated death, and opened the door that was closed between us and God Himself. The resurrection of Jesus has changed everything. You owe it to yourself to wrap your head around the resurrection of Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you are ready to become one, it's so very simple to do. You repent, you turn away from your sin, you believe, you say, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He died to pay the price for my sin, that He rose again on the third day, and you follow. You follow Him for the rest of your life. You repent, you believe, and you follow. As you think about it, if you know you are not yet a follower of Jesus, but you are ready to keep thinking about it, please understand what is at stake. Resurrection makes all the difference in the most important areas of our lives. It makes the difference between slavery and freedom when it comes to sin. It makes the difference between victimization to evil and victory over evil. It makes the difference between death and life. It makes the difference between a closed door with God and an open door to the presence of God Himself. You owe it to yourself to keep thinking and studying and praying and wrapping your mind around the resurrection of Jesus. And we will help. If you are a disciple of Jesus, though, I'm not telling you anything new today you already know all this. You're just here to celebrate. And so that's what we're going to do. And the end of a sermon, I normally pray. And I'm not going to pray at the end today. I'm going to invite you to pray. And I'm going to invite you to do it in a different way than normal. I'm going to invite you to stand. Why don't you go ahead and stand? And when I'm done... I'm gonna invite you to celebrate, to do all those things that we said were rowdy earlier, to clap, to shout, to whistle, to to proclaim good news. That's how we're gonna celebrate, and that's going to be your form of prayer today. Your celebration of the resurrection is your prayer, and it is your way of saying to everyone, I believe that it is true. I believe that it is true that the hold of sin is broken. I believe that it is true that evil is overturned. I believe that it is true that death has been replaced with life. I believe that it is true that the closed door with God is open and I have been accepted and I have been forgiven and adopted as a child of God, welcomed into the eternal God. I believe it is true, why? Because Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Celebrate. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Valley Avon podcast. If you would like to hear more, you can subscribe for free on any platform you use. If you would like to visit us in person or would like to submit a prayer request, you can visit us on the web at avon.valleycommunity.cc. From all of us here at Valley Community Baptist Church, thank you for coming and have a blessed week.